Let's Talk Faith and Justice. My name is Boston. My pronouns are he, him. My name is Lyndon Sayers, pronouns he, him, other co-host. And today we're going to talk about a church sign that was up at Lutheran Church of the Cross that read, they, them, creator, he, him, son, she, her, Holy Spirit. And with us to discuss this take on the Holy Trinity is our friend, Mark Allen. Hi, um, my name is Mark Allen. I use he, him, and they, them pronouns. Um, I'm currently calling in from California. I usually live in Victoria, but I'm on a long vacation in California. It's been really nice. But I was honored to be asked to talk about the sign and be on the podcast, as I believe you said the first guest. Cool. Yeah, first ever. First ever guest. Um, yeah, so what essentially happened is that Lyndon was asking people in the Inclusive Christians Discord server, which is a group through the University of Victoria, um, he was asking for suggestions for a sign to display in front of the Lutheran Church of the Cross. And I I just threw some ideas out there. I didn't really think about it too hard at the time, to be honest. And um, one of them, one of them stuck and Lyndon went with it. And I was really surprised to see how much it took off. It got people talking a lot um, and ended up on, I believe, a Facebook page and an Instagram page about progressive Christianity. And there were a lot of comments. A lot of them were from people that felt validated and seen by the message, which was really re rewarding and wonderful. And then, of course, some of them were argumentative and people that were in total disagreement with such a with such a blasphemous idea, I suppose. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to, I guess I wanted to talk about why I picked those specific pronouns and that message. So uh, I don't want to take 100% creative credit for this idea. Um, I believe that I had seen something similar in the past on TikTok. I cannot remember by whom or if it was originally their idea or anything, but I had seen someone use pronouns to refer to the Trinity. However, I believe that they're actually a bit different than what I picked. And the reason I picked the pronouns I did, um, they, them, creator, I think because as I've deconstructed my faith journey, um, I have actually come to see God in a way that is essentially non-binary or cannot really be um, cannot really be contained within gendered language. Um, I don't see God as a specifically gendered thing, to be honest. And it's that's in in stark contrast to the way that I was raised. I grew up in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, um, better known as Mormons. And um, while while most Christians will even evangelicals or fundamentalists will recognize that God is not a man they still use very gendered language to refer to God, very patriarchal language. And the Mormon church is no exception. However, it takes it even farther, I believe, to the idea that God literally was a man or is a man in a sense too. Um, the church makes it really, really clear that in its beliefs, gender is an eternal, unchanging characteristic. And a lot of Mormons actually hold a view that God was formerly a human man before he became God. So uh, it's really interesting to me today as a 20 something year old 
that I, I view God in such a radically different way than how I grew up because I honestly did view him as like a sort of man in the sky with a white man in the sky with a white beard and, you know, just kind of up there always watching to make sure that I wasn't slipping up in some way, lest he would execute his wrath upon me. Um, but my, as I've deconstructed and I moved away from the church for a good number of years and coming back to it on my own terms, um, my, my entire concept of God has shifted to be something more of a creative force that breathed life into the universe, into the cosmos, and, you know, created human beings and animals and, and everything. And I see, I see that creative force as God and not like a literal man or an anthropomorphic entity. Um, so really the only pronouns that felt fitting to use for God were they them. Um, I think God, you know, has masculine characteristics, feminine characteristics, neutral characteristics, and there's nothing wrong with, you know, recognizing that. But in my conception of God, it's a it's a gender neutral creative force. Um, and then for uh, he, him, son, I, I just said that because I, I didn't really think too deeply about that one, to be honest. Uh, Jesus Christ is pretty straightforwardly a human man in the in the New Testament. So that just kind of felt fitting. However, I'm sure there could be a whole conversation about does is there some sort of like queerness about Jesus? I think there is, but you know, <laughs> I just picked he him for that. And then I think the one that tripped people out the most was she, her, Holy Spirit. And there actually was logic with that. And I to me, it made a lot of sense because um I I learned about a concept called Shekinah, which is a Jewish concept. And it's this idea that the divine presence of God as experienced by humans is feminine. And it's called Shekinah. And that idea has been um, especially expounded upon by people that study Kabbalah, which is Jewish mysticism. And that really resonated with me. It made a lot of sense that the way that we experience God is sort of a divine feminine thing. And I, I do want to add the disclaimer that I'm not claiming that Shekinah and the Holy Spirit are the same thing um, because, you know, Christianity and Judaism are two separate religions and their concepts of of such a thing are different. There is no Trinity in Judaism. Um, but it, it still made sense to me because what is the Holy Spirit if not the presence of God manifest to humanity? So uh, that's the reason I picked she, her for the Holy Spirit. That's that's great. Thanks, Mark. And uh, I I was surprised that people um, had trouble with the the Holy Spirit, she, her, because I thought honestly didn't think that was that controversial. Because there is also, I mean, you you mentioned some of the Jewish roots of of that, and there's also um, Christian tradition of of thinking of the Holy Spirit as feminine, um, per the personification of wisdom and Sophia in Greek is often linked up with the Holy Spirit going back to the Orthodox Church, so predating the Protestant Reformation. And so there's a long tradition and still the Orthodox Church will talk about kind of equate Holy Spirit with wisdom personified and will sometimes use feminine pronouns 
Um, but yeah, that did that did get some people's ire when we overwhelming positive comments, but of course we also take note of some of the negative ones. And one I just had to respond to yesterday is the the message I was saying to Boston, uh, um, like I'm just surprised how little trolling I've had to deal with on this post. And then lo and behold, as soon as I, I said that, then it got picked up by some conservative Facebook page about traditional marriage. I can't remember the name of it. doesn't matter. Um, but like a dozen of them started bombarding the church with negative comments on that post and some DMs and some emails. And you could tell it was very coordinated. So this all happened last night and into the morning a little bit. Um, pretty funny. Um, sometimes they're just copying and pasting a chapter verse from some section of Genesis or wherever. Like, like that's your, what's your argument? I'm just going to dump like 65 verses of Genesis just to, to shock and awe you with this many Bible verses. How pressed do you have to be to email like a church in Canada about a sign? That, they <laughs> that takes a little more guts because you have to go on our website and then you have to find our email addresses and then copy and paste them into your your email app. And so, you know, kudos to them. Some of those were pretty unhinged, like definitely throwing up demons, Satan, blah, blah, oh, like, yeah. like almost one of them was like, I didn't even know. I didn't even know what the message was. <laughs> they like attached some weird image, obviously you know accusing us of some some kind of worshiping false idols kind of thing but it was just a bizarro kind of email thing that like when they don't when they don't include any title right they just start oh, yeah. typing at you um anyway but it was funny online someone had said well holy spirit is definitely a he and i, I just replied i'm like the holy spirit is a man <laughs> like where's the biblical evidence for that Holy Spirit appears as a dove, appears as a kind of amorphous presence at times, as light. Where's the where's the Holy Spirit as a man? Yeah. And like absolutely bizarre. Um I didn't know also that the Orthodox the Orthodox tradition had um a tradition of recognizing God as feminine, but that makes so much sense. I'm glad that I learned yeah. that. Um and yet no one would accuse the Orthodox of being like the woke denomination or something. So we're yeah. talking about traditions going back hundreds <laughs> upon hundreds of years. So I, I have to ask, were these trolls, um, in your opinion, from what you could tell, do they seem to be like American evangelical? I think some were. Yeah. Because okay. with the online troll thing, borders don't matter. Yeah. So... Um, there was one e one email we got from someone who lives by the church and actually sent in uh, like a photo of the sign they took on their camera. I'm like, well, good for you. You actually did the effort of taking a picture. I'm like, I hope you share that online and share the good news. Um, Gospel right there. <laughs> yeah. The irony is all they do is boost. They're just signal boosting yeah. everything they don't like. So good for them. Um. It it's just so and yeah the the fact that people have such like a negative um view of that it, it just it's so interesting to me because I think if they actually engaged with their own with their own 
their own religious texts and their own theological beliefs, they would see that so much of what they're claiming to defend is not even biblically founded. Just because he, him pronouns are primarily used in some translations of the Bible doesn't mean that God is like exclusively described as being a man or that the Holy Spirit is exclusive. I mean, the Holy Spirit is a spirit. Like that's like by nature, not the same as like a living human being. And it's just so interesting to me. I think that they they see it as some sort of as some sort of trigger to their to the I don't know like they they oppose the woke agenda or whatever we're calling it, and they they have an issue with that more than I think they have an issue with the actual theological implications. But the fact that the fact that I read comments from people that said like you know I don't even know if I believe in God anymore, but like the idea this idea just really speaks to me or this, or as like a trans or non-binary person, this makes me feel like I would actually be safe at this church. Like that alone is so worth all the trolling and all the negativity that might come out of it because that just makes me so happy to see. And as someone that can, that can intimately relate to that, that felt, you know, driven away from the church that I grew up in and was very committed to at one point, like I, I mean, I'm honestly, I'm glad I'm not a Mormon anymore for a whole lot of reasons, but at, at a time, like I was really committed and I would have done whatever to like have stayed in the good graces of my church. And they like, it, it's such a conundrum. Like they don't want you to leave, but they also don't want you. <laughs> like they literally didn't want someone like me because I'm not, I didn't follow the traditional gender and sexuality expectations of a good Mormon. So I just can't wrap my head around how these people will have like so much hatred for those that leave while also hating, hating them for being there in the first place. <laughs> Cause they, they don't want you if you're not, you know, if you're not going to follow the rules or whatever it is. Yeah. I'm sure that's, that's complicated. I remember having um, some Mormon friends in Virginia when we were there who uh, we're queer Mormons and having to navigate that world, just like queer Christians have to navigate uh, that world when you're in a more rigid tradition. And yeah, they want you to be there, but they also really want you to change, to mm -hmm. conform and fit in with the expectations. There would be like weird things like people tattletailing on fellow students to like the college president or whatever their role was to say they're hanging out at this person's house. And that's like the queer friendly house. And they're doing like having their queer friendly chats over there. And it was like, they're just having coffee and tea at someone's house, but that kind of Bible school tattletailing thing. It's like, wow. Like I've got like, I know elementary school kids who are better behaved than that. Um, so yeah, I, I under, understand and empathize with that. There was one comment, um, it got picked up by one of the, uh, the interns with inclusive Christians. Um, it was on, shared on Instagram, I think, uh, that said the way our world talks about God makes me feel like God isn't for me, but rather for men. The use of gender neutral pronouns gives me the tiniest hope that maybe if God exists, maybe they are accessible to me. It feels kind of huge to me. 
If you've lived your life hearing God in your pronouns, it might not come naturally to understand. For those who haven't, it can feel quite different. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, it just lays it out so, you know, straightforwardly. Yeah. Yeah. So that's really, really kind of heartening. And I'm sure none of us expected that it would get picked up by a progressive Christian site where you start getting these thousands upon thousands of views and stuff. And you, I knew at one point, you know, <laughs> someone's going to find it. <laughs> Give me, you know, I had a little fun on my phone, blocking and deleting comments, responding to some DMs. One DM ended we, we part of, you know, I, I wish them, I'm like, well, we just hope the love of Christ abounds and said, God bless you. <laughs> hope we talk in person sometimes. Oh, it's as good as you can hope for, I'd yeah. say, in that situation. That's sweet. Um, one thing, just thinking about expansive pronouns and thinking about how we language you talk about God and like this commentator saying, suddenly God felt accessible to them, that God cares about them. Um, like what kind of takeaways do we have here? You've shared some of your personal story, Mark. Um, like when we think about inclusive Christians, about it ends up being a lot of queer folks who are looking for some kind of church home, whether it's on campus or beyond, and don't have that representation like that, that they're looking for. Because it's funny that, I mean, I we, we we talked about another episode. There are other Christian groups on campus also that have a different emphasis. Um, but when we when we offer inclusive Christians, like it tends to be a lot of queer and marginalized people to whom it speaks most strongly. Yeah. And others might give us a thumbs up, but they kind of carry on. And I, I think there are reasons for that. I think, I, I mean, obviously anyone of any identity, even if it's a, uh, a, a traditionally privileged identity, like, you know, white, heterosexual, cisgender, whatever. Um, I think that it's easy to become complacent in places that aren't against us, but also anyone should be able to see that a lot of churches, you know, have a lot of discriminatory things they do to queer people and historically towards um, other marginalized peoples, like certainly on the basis of race and stuff and and gender today. Um, but, you know, I guess I'm just thinking like the reason inclusive Christians attracts people that are primarily queer is because where else are they going to go? You know, like a lot, you, you either have to I think that most people either repress their identity or they just leave altogether and they want nothing to do with the church, which I think is totally fair if that's, you know, how you feel. Um, but I guess if you've never really had your identity uh, challenged the same way, like you get, it's easier to be comfortable and we're not going to say names, but you know, like certain organizations on campus that might be Roman Catholic. <laughs> um just kidding. I'm not trying to single anyone out, but <laughs> you know, like if you're, if no one's ever really had an issue with you, it's easy to be comfortable. But if you grow up thinking that you're literally evil for like something unchangeable about yourself, then you tend to gravitate towards inclusive spaces if that's available. And 
I actually didn't know that was even really an option until kind of recently. Um, I took a break from any sort of religious or spiritual involvement, any communities like that for years. And I, I, I genuinely didn't know that like inclusive churches were a thing or if they were, I thought they were like extremely fringe. And when I first came to UVic, um, I went to the multi-phase center just to check it out. And I totally by chance, I found one of those like rainbow little pamphlets and it said inclusive Christians and it had like a rainbow flag. And I was like, wow, like this is a thing. Like I, I actually didn't know that was really a thing. And um, the first time I joined, I was really stunned to see people just talk so openly about their, you know, like sharing their pronouns, sharing if they were queer, sharing, um, sharing like about their doubts even like we, we you know you don't have to have like this rigid dogmatic agreement with everything like you can kind of think for yourself and it's still a community regardless of what we individually believe um also I noticed a lot of people talking about socialism and communism which really surprised me because that was just so incredibly uh antithetical to the way I grew up even though I, I hold those views now, I I would be, I have to admit that as like a little Mormon child, I would have been horrified to see people talking about socialism at church. Cause I thought that was like, you know, that's another thing that I think it's like, you know, demonized, like the, the LGBT, the, the socialists and communists, whatever. Like, even though it's really funny, cause if you actually look at the gospel, um, it's a lot more compatible with a socialist construct than a capitalist one for sure. But um, yeah, I'm just, I'm grateful that communities like this exist. And I think that they're more important than ever. Um, I mean, they're always important, like, don't get me wrong, but at least, at least where I'm from, you know, in the United States in the last, in this year alone, they've passed, I believe, over 300 or 400 anti-trans bills and stuff. And it's, it's really scary for some people. I mean, it's really scary for everyone. I, I'm really grateful that I'm from a state that has taken steps to constitutionally protect, you know, LGBT people and trans people specifically, and also reproductive freedoms. I'm, I'm really grateful that I'm from California, but I, people in, you know, there's still trans people in Mississippi and Tennessee and whatever other random state you want us to throw out there. Um, you know, like people deserve to be protected. People deserve to live with dignity. And it, I think it's so important more than ever to like go against the grain and actually speak out for people that are being oppressed by their government. And, um, you know, I think, I think a lot of Canadians are clued into it for sure. Um, they pay attention to what's going on in the States and, um, I don't know. I don't know how to say this. Like, I think there's, I, I don't want people to feel complacency because, like, that's their problem, you know? Like, the, the truth is that, um, I don't know. Like, it's good to advocate for it in Canada, too, even if, even if there aren't any provinces that are specifically doing that right now. That doesn't mean that, that mindset doesn't exist. That doesn't, you know, just because the government protects people, um, better than it does in the United States, that doesn't mean that there aren't 
incredibly transphobic people out there that are, you know, still, I'm sure that like there's people in Canada that would love to see the same exact legislation happen um, in Canada too. And I, uh, I don't know how it all works out from like, you know, square one to getting these bills passed, but it could happen there too. And regardless, people just deserve to know that they are going to be accepted and treated with dignity and basic respect. So um, it, it feels like really powerful to me that a sign that just had pronouns on it in reference to the Trinity, like resonated with people and made them feel safer and made them feel like they could be dignified in a Christian setting. Like that is that is incredibly rewarding to me. Yeah, thanks for for sharing that. And I think you're right. Like, yes, well, things are are bad in in the U.S. The danger, as always in Canada, is we just become complacent and don't prepare for backlash. And then when it happens, we're caught flat footed, and we're like, oh, I'm surprised. Oh, I'm shocked. And uh, and then, right, the same the same things can happen, even if there might be like municipalities like Victoria generally is more queer affirming than many communities. But even in Victoria, we hear reports of queer phobic stuff said to people down downtown. Yeah. Um. So this idea of safe spaces and stuff, there is no real safe space, but there are communities um, fighting for equity and, and you have to keep doing that work. And there's a danger that we could have a real flip-flop federally if another party comes to power and suddenly, um, suddenly those questions could be held open, right? Because all they have to do is satisfy part of the base that gets them elected. And even if it's less than the majority, they'll they'll pander to that, just like we're seeing in the US. And we already see that in provincial politics where, I mean, Boston, you and I are from Prairie Provinces, Alberta and Saskatchewan, mm -hmm. and we already see that kind of pandering. And some of it's more overt, some of it's more covert, but neither of those provinces right now has very robust leadership in terms of being queer affirming. It's the opposite. Absolutely. And also wanting to restrict access, uh, whether to reproductive services or other things like that's, that's a current reality in parts of Canada. And if you had federal leadership that gave those people the green light to go even harder, they would. Yeah. So, I think it's um I I think we we have to play both defense and offense thinking about kind of sports metaphor and the mainline churches we're not great at offense. I don't even know if we're great at defense. Half the time we're just like sitting ducks much of the time. And so we have to be ready not only ready for if political leaders kind of flip-flop in terms of direction. Um, but we need to be charting a course ourselves and not and not just be the ones responding to. I guess that's more the defense thing is like, like they rush the ball and we're like, oh, well, we should say something or we should do something, which is usually like a weak form of like a public letter. 
or something that nobody reads because nobody's reading public letters that mainline churches put out, right? Yeah. Um, except for people in those churches for the most part. Um, but what if we, you know, find ways to take it to the streets? Like we've talked about even inclusive Christians, about even in a small way, coming to the BC legislature, which for those who might not be familiar with Victoria, the also known as the Parliament Building, oddly, in BC, but it's a provincial legislature down in the Inner Harbor. And it's dominated by a lot of right-wing groups who tend to be there most often, Yeah, apart from like significant public days where there's a flag raising or, or some special formal event. And sometimes even then, I've seen them still there on those, still there. those days, yeah. Right. Or in church day, they're still there doing yeah. their thing. On the corner, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and so what would it look like for us to take a more, uh, like offensive or kind of like chart, tell our own story without waiting to react to what other groups have to say. I think that's where you get the pushback on the sign is these people are like, wow, the audacity. We only thought conservative churches had the audacity to say what they think. (laughs) Yeah. So let them say that the audacity. Yeah, that's right. We let's have the audacity to say something. I mean, right wing groups, like you pointed out, you got to give them credit. They're good at mobilizing. Oh, yeah. It's it's horrifying the results that they achieve when they do that. But they're good at it. They know how to do it. And I think that there is sort of like a, a liberal complacency of like, oh, we live in, you know, we live in Victoria. We live in bc so you know left coast whatever (laughs) like people just assume that it's going to be they take they take things for granted but um it's so important to like to not only make it clear where you stand other people about certain things that affect them but you know fight for people's rights and stuff and yeah i love how you were saying earlier that victoria has people have this idea that it's like you know really great for lgbt people and like well sure there are there is a pretty big queer community in victoria um uh there definitely is like homophobic and transphobic things that happen there too um i I actually last year i experienced something really random that i've actually never experienced in california before um i was walking with a friend and we weren't we we were not a couple we were just friends and I don't know what it was, but some group of guys like pulled over and started yelling at us. And then I, I couldn't fully hear them, but I believe one of them used the F slur. And I was like, what? Like, we're just, I mean, you clocked me. Like, you're kind of right. Dang. <laughs> but also I wasn't doing anything overtly, you know, gay in the moment. And I don't know. It. I just think about that experience, how like I've... I've only actually experienced that in Victoria. Um, and I, I mean, it can happen anywhere, but it just, it kind of blows some holes in the idea that Victoria is like, you know, perfectly LGBT affirming. And the fact that people in the community opposed that that billboard, uh, not billboard, uh, sign in front of the church too, shows that even a lot of local churches and a lot of local Christians you know, do have an issue with, with affirming trans people and LGBT people in general. 
Yeah. And, and thank you for sharing that experience. That's not an easy, you know, that's not an easy thing to relive. So appreciative of you willing to be able to share it. Um, and, and yeah, I think that, um, I mean, it's a little bit off topic, I guess, but, but like just about Victoria, like I, uh, I feel the same way. Like I, one of the main reasons why I chose to come here to UVic was because Victoria puts on a really great outward facing image of like, yeah, like queer inclusion and like indigenous inclusion and like all this different. And I was like, that's amazing. I'm like, I really want. And then you get here and you're like, oh no, like it's mostly the city feels like mostly old, older white folks mm. that, you know what I mean? Have a lot of like, um, I, I worked for a, a criminal defense lawyer and she was like, when she was deciding where she wanted to be, she decided Victoria because she was like, it has like all these like amazing like human rights cases. So it must be progressive. You know what I mean? Because they're like dealing with all. And she was like, oh, no. Like when she got here, she realized the reason why there were all those cases is because it's actually not that good here. Like it's like actually quite a bit like worse than, you know, she thought like the reason why there are cases is because there's all this hate that's going on here. And she's like, oh, well, and my, by that point she was already here, but you know what I mean. But, so, but yeah, like it, it definitely does. I mean, I think we get lulled into that false sense of security here a lot of like, everything's right. all good. Right. I mean, the reality is there, there is no place that is all good. No. It's just, there's larger cosmopolitan centers where people might be better shielded yeah. through sheer numbers. But we also know like even cosmopolitan cities can kind of shift in character, especially um, you think about somewhere like Vancouver where uh, development uh, kind of overtakes the agenda and like Vancouver is not a super progressive left-leaning city in terms of leadership it's a very development driven city for rich people yeah unless you are fortunate enough to get property early on um yeah. like in that sense it's it's a bit tricky so often places that develop the, a name for themselves like montreal had that for a while and maybe still does that it was an affordable place so it attracted a lot of artists, attracted a lot of queer people. But some of that is nostalgia for an earlier era when rent was cheap and stuff. And as things gentrify, then the kind of face of things change. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I was just sharing with today, there was some some large multi, like 18 unit townhouse unit for sale in Port Hardy. And it was really affordable in terms yeah. of but port hardy even like by island standards it is real far north up there right? so you're talking some super rainy kind of stuff and so you could go up there and have a kind of co-housing community but like you're you're kind of pretty isolated at that point yeah you'd have to create your own little economy and world up there to some degree. Yeah. And there's someone in Port Hardy is going to send, send me a nasty email. It's like, <laughs> I'm sure there's a robust fishing industry. There's shipping. There's probably all kinds <laughs> of like natural resource kind of stuff. 
but there's not like a huge cultural center. Oh no. <laughs> um, don't incur so, the wrath of the Fort Hardy community. <laughs> yeah. But I, I definitely want to go up and visit. It looks beautiful, right? So yeah. tourism, I, I got to go up there a little bit last summer, but just thinking about like, it's hard for those communities to then just say, oh, we're priced out of Montreal, we're priced out of Vancouver, Victoria, but people don't want to just up and move where there, there aren't going to be cultural amenities. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. So I just think about, so what is, get back on topic, <laughs> yeah. what is our our role here then as, uh, in our aims, I guess, as progressive Christian communities to to put out messaging that, that kind of takes up space to say, hey, try this on, they, them, for creator or um, and other pronouns for addressing different persons of, of God. Um, yeah, it can open up little worlds for people and open up conversations. Yeah. And so I think we are kind of running short on time. But so that's a, and that's a great note. Um, and I was just wondering, Mark, if you had anything kind of last that kind of some last thoughts or anything like that. No pressure if you don't, but just want to leave that open. Oh, sure. Um, well, I guess on the topic of what would success look like for a progressive Christian community, um, I think it's incredibly different than what most mainstream Christians would say success is. And I think, you know, a lot of Christians have this idea that uh, success is like bringing people into the fold and saving souls and proselytizing to do that. And I don't think that should be the, I don't think that success in progressive Christianity looks like that. I think it looks like, um, I think it looks more in line with uh, something I believe Jesus taught that says uh, bringing heaven to earth and, you know, making the world a better place and helping people, uh, helping people of all walks of life, you know, whether they're Christian or not, you know, whatever they are, they're, we're all humans and we're all, I believe we're all connected to each other through our creator. And um, that that looks like advocating for marginalized people that looks like that looks like fighting for environmental and climate justice that looks like um that looks like helping people in poverty in whatever way we're able to that looks like fighting for indigenous people and supporting i think land back initiatives and there's so many different things you could say because you know the world has a lot of problems in it and it's Kind of overwhelming when you really look into it and you know you have to accept your limitations like we can't solve everything we can't alone fix everything but i think that we can do our part to make the world a better place and just help people feel loved and supported incredible thank you so much that's a, that's a great final thought i think we need to leave it at that um so I have some some thank yous that we we usually do. So thank you to CFUV for providing us with the space that we are able to to do this. Um, thank you to UVic Multifaith and Inclusive Christians, of which we are all a part involved in. 
Um, thank you to Lutheran Church of the Cross and the BC Synod for supporting this work. And thank you so much to Mark for being our first guest. And it was a great episode. I think that went really amazing. So thank you so much for taking time out of your life to to talk with us over over the Zoom. Um, yeah, I don't know. You want to add anything? Or... No, thank you. That's great. All right. Awesome. Thank you very much for listening.